Live from Barron, this is Derailed Trains of Thoughts. Welcome to episode 112 of Derailed Trains of Thoughts, your premier podcast on storytelling for the creator and consumer. Hi, Nick. Hello, Tim. How are you? I am doing well. Are you doing well or are you doing good? I'm, uh, oh dear, you put me on the spot here. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what is grammatically correct. Uh, You're doing both. <laughs> if Weird Al was here, he'd give me, he would accuse me of word crimes. Word crimes, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, hello, folks. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. In case you didn't hear, my name is Tim. My name is Nick. And uh, we are coming to you from, looks kind of a medieval fantasy yeah, kind of area. Yeah, like the really, like this big castle, kind of blocky looking now, but I don't know, it looks like it used to be nicer. Well, actually, it looked like a, there's rubble all over most of it. No, there's, yeah, this there's a crowd over there. Yeah, and there's a, there's like a pile of rubble around that one tower. And is that a dead dragon? Uh, I hope it's dead. Uh, yeah, me too. It looks pretty gross. That's yeah. for sure. And there are people standing on it. That's it's kind of. Why would you do that? I have I have no idea. Something's but happening. But some, something's been going on around here. I think. I I have no idea what. But it's the end of something. Hmm. It could be. You You have any any clues? It seems vaguely familiar. Okay. I don't know. Something right. from the past. Something from the past, the yeah. distant past. Distant past, yeah. Maybe you should write it down sometime. Make yeah, sure, I, make I sure could. The story of this place stays in print. I think a, that's a good idea. An excellent thing yeah. to do. Anyway, so welcome again, folks, to Derailed Trains of Thoughts. Hey, we've got something to celebrate, Nick. We do? Is it your birthday? <gasps> well, no. Oh, mine either. No. But it is... The podcast's birthday. Ooh. Happy birthday, podcast. Thank you for taking us. Uh, and by podcast, we mean this podcast, this one podcast. you're listening to, which has taken us on many an adventure over the years. 111 so far. Uh, that's true. This is the 112th. Although it didn't used to take us actually very far. we uh, It seemed to be something that started happening around episode 21 Oh, that's or so. true. It evolved around that time. Yeah, like. we, when we ran out of nicknames. So what is the, what, what, how old is a podcast, Tim? Well, it is now 10 years old. It is a decade old. Yeah, believe it or not. Our first podcast came out on, uh, or our first podcast episode came out on September 24th, 2010. Wow. Yeah. It is slightly older than my son. That's right. He, he was born in 2010, yep, wasn't he? He is 10. Wow. That's, that's, that's wild. Yep. We started it. Oh, no. He was born in 2009. <laughs> he's, ten, he's 10 currently. Okay. We rewind all that. <laughs> Hopefully he won't listen to this no. for a while. I was just thinking he was 10, the podcast is 10. It all made sense at the time. Okay. <laughs> but he's going to have a birthday. He's going to have a birthday. When is is November. Is it November, just yeah. like many people. Yes. But yes, back in 2010, well, I think we've told the story before, but it's been a while. We had found that we had gotten out of, I was at film school at the time. You may have heard us reference that from that. Again. Yeah, back in the first during the first year of the podcast, I was in school for um, most of the first year. Basically, Nick was still living in Indiana. I was in Virginia, and we wanted to, to be able to do a project together because we missed. We had had a lot of fun talking about Lost during the yes. last season because the last season of Lost had been in the spring of 2010. Yes, and then we uh, just hadn't gotten in touch as much over the summer, and we we're like, we need to fix that. And I suggested. What if we do a podcast? Which was a different beast back then. It was a different beast. It's really interesting to think about how podcasting has 
grown since mm-hmm. like at the time i didn't know if it seemed to me like we may have been like jumping on the coattails of something that was dying off maybe because you know, like podcasts have been kind of this hip techie thing back when ipods were first coming out yeah and by 2010 ipods were kind of on their way out smartphones were just beginning to come out but actually that is exactly what the podcast needed to go from the niche audience to the popular yeah, audience. yeah it is now giant everyone has a podcast just like our audience it's just like wait our audiences are giants yeah no, yes they are giants <laughs> apparently no <laughs> we apologize to any of you who are not giants <laughs> We're still living in a fantasy world. There are, there, I you see there. There are some giants around here. I think that I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. But um, they're not our only listeners. We are thankful for all of you who. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty fun, and we'll talk about this some more toward the end. It's pretty amazing that we've been able to hang around for ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, but in honor of that, we thought we'd celebrate our past ten years by basically having an episode long previously on. And first off. Uh, for previously on, let's look back at some of our many topics we've had for Story School. So this is a combination previously on Ooh. and Story School. Previously on Story School. Basically, okay. yeah. Story school has always been kind of the heart of derailed trains of thought. This is what we want to do most is just discuss why stories work or why what creators do or what doesn't work. Yeah, what does and doesn't work and what interests us, what intrigues us, what questions do we have. We don't necessarily claim to be experts on everything we talk about, but we are always interested in what we're talking we're about. We're searching. We're, we're, we're working out, along with you probably, audience, what it means to consume entertainment what it means to create entertainment and how to best to do it yeah and we do enjoy having that that multi approach because one we wanted to be accessible to other people who don't write or do filmmaking mm-hmm. or anything like that um, because america is a very pop culture heavy culture so yeah. it's it's great to be able to consume stories with better understanding yeah on what's going on discerningly yeah but also, we it's we're nice fun. to be able to give... <laughs> but also, we're nerds, and we uh, have a uh, desire to create ourselves, and so we can't help but include some of that, that stuff, too. So anyway, we thought it'd be fun to talk about, like, basically big picture themes and ideas that we keep coming back around because to. Because we've mentioned before, again, not many of you have probably listed all 100, if you ha- or 112 now. 112 now. Um, good job. I mean, congratulations. <laughs> if you, you have, have listened you to have all that. You have stuck with us. But um, congratulations, sure you've won. <laughs> um, throwback to a couple episodes ago. But we've mentioned before that creators often, if they make enough of a thing, their kind of worldview, their sort of things where their interests will come out. You watch enough Miyazaki, there's certain themes that he just cannot escape. Mm-hmm. And that happens most, he's just the easiest one to talk about, you know, Tolkien or Lewis or anyone that we mention all the time. Read enough of their stuff, you know, the things that matter come out. And we were looking back, said, there's certain things that. I'm sure you can pull out from things that matter to us. Yeah. The kind of the help make this easier and tackle, because we didn't, to be honest, we didn't, neither one of us had a lot of time. That's one reason why, even though this is the 10th episode, this is a little bit more laid back than some of our previous, like say the 100th episode, which was very ambitious. Of very episode, ambitious. Thanks to the podcast's interfering. Yeah. Um, but we he spent had, years there. Yeah. 
but he uh, the podcast understood that so we're we're in a very busy season of life right now yes <laughs> so what i got to do is i went through our l- podcast list and basically put each episode in a category and we won't like read every single one of these but this will kind of help us group these together a little bit so one of the quote unquote categories i i labeled was our approach was here's a weird genre or story element do audiences enjoy it? And if so, why? Because sometimes stories have some really interesting element or dark elements to it or things that like when you think about it, it's like, why in the world is this a thing? Why do we love why do we love good villains? Why do we love horror? I don't necessarily, but a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. You know, why do we love watching zombies try to destroy the world and fighting against them? You know, it's like a normal sane person doesn't want to be attacked by zombies. Yeah. We talked about uh, post-apocalyptic in episode 58. Villains was in episode 11. Horror was in episode 22. And I think I might actually include our lists here in the show notes in case people want to kind of refer to, jump to a very specific episode. That would be a great idea. I think that might be useful. But I'll also try to name drop a couple of them here in case you're curious. But yeah, it's just, it's interesting that to me that a lot of stories portray events, circumstances that we would never want to be a part of. Almost anything people watch now, you, you don't want, I mean, you don't want to be stranded on an island with a smoke monster. <laughs> you know, you don't want to have your plant blown up by a Death Star. You don't want to have your daughter kidnapped by uh, human traffickers. No, no. None of these things. None of these things sound good, <laughs> you know. And yet they can make for very entertaining stories. And obviously sometimes some of them also, like certain tragedy, tragic events, the episode 18, um, are also make for good drama in a, in a like classical sense. And yes. we can learn a lot from them. But also sometimes these, even things that we've, say, uh, episode 101, Apocalypse is Popcorn. These are supposed to, supposedly fun movies, but they show, if you think about it, actually some terrible events. Like if I lived on Asgard, I don't want it blown up. Yes. You know, <laughs> exactly. And laugh at while I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, as in Thor Ragnarok. And we've answered this in various ways, but we just keep coming back to that idea that that interest in relationship viewers have with or readers with stories is that they want to live vicarious through them. And there is a certain amount of the human who wants danger, I think. And mm-hmm. and I don't know that that's a bad thing by any means to have a sense of, of safe danger yeah. is a paradox. And I think we've also talked about how it's useful to show lights on dark circumstances. That too, yeah, on the One, darker side. So that, so that it's not something completely misunderstood. Um, and you could say that for the depictions of evil, mm-hmm. like the villains, or even just, you know, what would you do in uh, if you were stuck in a tornado, a disaster movie? Yeah. Um, and you kind of live vicariously. I would be this heroic person. I would, I would rescue my wife. I'd do this. And to, you know, to practice in story what... We might have to do in real life is not a bad thing, you know. I think Lewis talks about you know you you want danger in fairy tales so that children can learn to be brave and mm-hmm. things like that. And I think at their best, the dark elements of stories are actually beneficial to being virtuous. Mm-hmm. At the worst time, it just appeals to that sinful nature of ourselves that likes to wallow in things that we should not enjoy. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a danger to it, and I think that's why we keep coming back to it because there is this two sides to it, which from our Christian point of view is very interesting that it's both good and bad depending on how you approach it or how it's written or Mm -hmm. fill in the blank. Yeah, I concur. 
Okay, so let's go on to our next category here, next theme we keep kind of circling around, or at least tendency we have. And this one I called Questioning Popular Consensus About Storytelling. I enjoy this one. <laughs> Were you surprised that we've done this so often? I guess I don't know that I've ever thought about it this way, but I honestly, episode 52 is on my mind right now. Oh, which really? is about, uh, we talk about exposition and whether it's always bad to have exposition. Because there's a common turn of phrase, show, don't tell, yeah. which I think is generally true. And again, most of these things we will agree are generally true, but there are times when you judge something like that and you're like, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Another thing we come up with is that a story should be what it should be. Yeah. It should be honest to itself and yeah. what the creator is trying to say, not try to pigeonhole a story into a specific idea. But I, I get frustrated sometimes. People are like, oh, it's too much exposition. So this film, this movie blank, usually by Christopher Nolan, has too much exposition. I'm like, I don't know that that's actually a detriment to the movie I just watched about Inversion, which we won't talk much about because it's still new at the time of this recording. And I haven't seen it yet. He's talking, about, but the name of the movie is Tenant. Tenant, yep. Yeah. Which, or if you spell it backwards, Tenant. <laughs> which just recently came out. Which was great. Yeah, that, that's one that was interesting to explore. Originality is a very early one, all the way back in episode 15, where sometimes creators get so worked up about, I want to make my story the most original thing possible. And like that's not necessarily a healthy obsession. Like, like we've often talked about when you people take oh i'm gonna take this superhero and do something that's never been done with it and then you're like you've just broken the thing everyone likes about fill in the famous thing Mm -hmm. you know whether it's a superhero or a franchise or a book series like ah i did something different you're like yes but now everyone hates it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not the thing people loved about it on the other hand sometimes doing something new like that breaking i admire them sometimes just for gutsiness yeah, it depends on how they're doing. I feel feel like there's a there's an element of pride there. Mm-hmm. Like, are you? Is this a, an honest? Like, this is a good faith effort of trying to do something new with it, or is it just in the sense of, ha, I'll break everyone's expectations. They won't see this coming. Yeah. I'll just kill this person because, ha-ha. Yeah, it's a different mindset. I think that word honest, I love that word honest in storytelling. I feel like Mm. we bring that up a lot, too. I I think that's that's true. And I think that's important. Now, I'm not sure that's used as often in discussing movies and books and stories as as it should be, that you can disagree with something, but if it's, uh, you know, there's something good in it, even if it's disagreeable, just because the author is being true to life or true to consistent to a worldview mm-hmm. like students right now at school were reading uh call of the wild uh they don't much care for it because you know dogs are killing each other and things <laughs> um and they're like this is you know log club things not christian I'm like no it's not and that's why we're reading it um to discuss those sorts of differences being at christian school mm-hmm. but i mean jack london very well presents his world and you can say take it or leave it but it's not like he's trying to trick you or anything mm. Sure. So. It's an honest work yeah. of, and what he's trying to express. And, and well done, but yes. Sure. So some of the other uh, popular consensus things we question you might be interested in, episode 84, uh, talked about simple versus complex stories, which I think probably also applies to Christopher Nolan. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, episode 107, we talked about strong-willed protagonists, wondering if that's always as good of a thing as some Hollywood script writers might tell you. Yep. So anyway, there's some uh, there's a sample of those topics. Those are good ones. I like those. Um, And then this is a very consumer of stories centered one, the relationship between a story and Mm -hmm. the audience. Uh, I'm always interested in trying to figure out what is valid criticism of the story and also just kind of examining how do we engage with stories? 
Um, one of the earliest examples of this, well, episodes 13, we talked nice. about how to read a story, which basically was my idea was like, how do you honestly engage with it, with the story on its level? Mm-hmm. Um, follow that up with episode 14, which is on fandom. <laughs> which we could... You could do a fandom one nowadays and probably be different. Different, yeah. Yep. I'm sure you could find a completely different spin on it. We did because that was that was back in the first year. Yeah, because this is something that has constantly intrigued me. And there's some other some other things that are kind of along these lines. Taste was episode 56. Story ownership is one that keeps coming up. For, episode 59 with, with, in in relation to fandom. Mm-hmm. And same with episode 106, over analyzation. Mm-hmm. This this whole idea where we keep coming around to and wrestling in different ways of like. Yeah, who owns the story? Who has the most proper interpretation of it? Is it the reader? Is it the the fandom? Is it the original author? And what's a proper way of... What can you get out of the story and what is just too much? Yeah. It's something that fascinates me because in fandom, you, you constantly see these kinds of going back and forth of mm-hmm. like, oh, such and such writer was just phoning it in or didn't have it planned all the way through. <laughs> okay. So did you hear this week that um, Daisy Ridley said in an interview that there was a lot of ideas thrown around even in the writer's circle about who Ray would be related to. Oh, I to. saw a headline like that. That, yeah. that she might she might have been a Kenobi. Yeah. And of course some people were like, oh that should have happened. <laughs> um but that's but I mean for one, I don't blame the authors. I mean George Lucas, we've said before, did not have the entire Star Wars trilogy planned out as well as some people think he did. Um, If you go back and actually look at the the history and the prior drafts and things like that. So it doesn't surprise me at all that the creators of the new sequel trilogy were debating that, too. Yeah. Um, And then you have this whole this whole tension between the creative process and, you know, all the things that might have not might not have happened or let editors need or whatever. And then the story itself. And like sometimes fandoms want to read into the process what the story is, and the story mm-hmm. is a separate thing than you know. Yeah, I almost did this, or I thought about doing this. Mm-hmm. And the problem it too is that different creators will approach that process differently. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one reason why some people get really fixated on a certain style of storytelling, like say someone who's planned the entire. Brandon Sanderson, who plans yeah. an entire arc, as opposed yeah. to people who are creators who are just discovering the story as they go Which, along. From my understanding, Stephen King and lots of other ones. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's just a fascinating thing because we live in a, in a story, we have one called Entertainment Glut, episode 40. But in, in so many stories, we're also more concerned than ever about how the story, the story of the story. Mm, the behind the, the scenes. Behind the scenes. You know, DVDs open that up. You know, news stations are always... Or, Websites are always everything that ha- ever happens. And before... Authors have blogs and Twitter feeds that kind of drip feed yep. more info. Before, what you would get was the complete thing. And then you would judge the complete thing, not how did the complete thing got, get here and all that other stuff. And so it's created multiple layers of, I guess, opportunity to criticize. Whether you should or not is something we're constantly wrestling with. Yeah. I mean, personally, I've never been a fan of Death of the Author because that seems to just imply that you can read whatever you want into a story. Yeah, which I think is not fair to the story. No, I don't don't think so either. But at the same time, even George MacDonald, I think it was George MacDonald, that I always remember that John Baylor sent us a link with a really fascinating essay. Mm -hmm. His like... And if you look at some of his fairy tales, this makes total sense where he, he really doesn't spell everything out. Some of it is much more... Miyazaki like much yeah. more like not abstract but like 
impressionistic it, in yeah, some it, ways. So things are applicable in multiple ways. Right. Which doesn't mean you can apply anything to it, but it has a wider range of possible possible possibilities yeah well i mean you were just mentioning before we started recording that like that's one thing about fiction in general that you're not saying something too specific you're saying something yeah i mean you're saying something but you're not writing an essay Mm -hmm. you're not saying here's my thesis you're saying here is the lived out parable of these ideas hopefully in a true sense yeah i don't know if that sentence made any sense at all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll write a story about it sometime, and you can make what you want of it. <laughs> or something. Or something. So like I said, audience relationship with stories. I think it's been a wide topic. We've gotten a lot of mileage out of it. And um, we'll probably continue to get mileage out of it. Most most likely. Um, creator angst or uh, slash craft. <laughs> the angst is probably as true as the craft. <laughs> probably. But every now and then we do try to actually really focus on the creators, talk about one, some of their stress that they go through in creating, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's trying to find the balance in episode two, <laughs> all the way back in episode two, uh, the balance between commercial versus artistic vision, mm-hmm. or of course the most classic episode 55, writer's block. Writer's block, yep. Uh, um, any student is, uh, can understand having to press through with that. Um, or more practi- even more practical things like episode 61, self-promotion, episode 74, goals, or things you wrestle with as artists, like comparing yourself to others, uh, episode 88. Mm-hmm. Or again, more very specific things like the benefits of outlining a story versus just doing it all improv, that Which, was episode yeah. 44. Because we've created various things and we're constantly relearning how to do these things because, you know, it's not like we do it every day necessarily, unfortunately. And it's something that I think all writers have to, and creators have to figure out how am I going to get from nothing on this page? or nothing on this film to something, mm-hmm. and how am I going to make it look good after that? Yep. And then how am I going to suffer through people not liking it, or liking it, or not reading it, or reading it, or, yep. it, you know, how do you bring something into existence, which is not an easy thing. And yeah. it's, you know, it's amazing that we do it at all. <laughs> that's true. It's, it's, a, it's a form of creation um, that's, in some ways, I always like to say, Dorothy Sayers pointed me onto this, in some ways, writing is a form of creation that helps us most closely resemble our creator mm-hmm. because the whole bringing something out of nothing. Yep. We're still like reforming words and ideas and topics and things like that, but it's still, it's still the closest we have to emulating and, God in that way. And so much, and I don't know if we talk about this direct, directly, so much of creativity too is in some ways an act of discovery. Yeah. I mean, even if you're planning it out, you're basically discovering as you plan it. You either discover it early or discover it late. I mean, there's only two ways to do it. That's but, true. You're learning sometimes as you're creating, I think most times. And that's, yeah, that's the part put inside all these just practical things of how do you revise and how do you mm-hmm. make sense? How do you explain a complicated idea to a person? You know, that was always my thing growing in, as a writer. Like, oh, this didn't make any sense to this person. I should probably explain more. <laughs> so, And even for pe- listeners who aren't writers, storytellers themselves, I think it's useful to be able to get inside the creator's head. I mean, we just talked about that in the in the previous topic, but but yeah, writers are uh, complicated beasts. And I'm, I'm always fascinated. Like I, I've done very little filmmaking, but I'm always fascinated just hearing the process how they go about doing things and setting yeah. things up and making decisions about what to cut and not cut. Oh yeah, I mean, we we focus on the the crafting of the story itself a lot because we both have interest in writing, but from my own experience in filmmaking and from experiences in other things like. 
when we got to interview Lauren Nichols mm-hmm. in, the, in the theater realm, each storytelling venue has its own challenges. Yes. But there's a lot of overlap. Uh, we were even able to talk with Maze Dude, one of your musician yes. heroes, uh, about his creative process back in episode 68. Yes. So there's definitely overlap, whether you're writing a story or being creative in one of these other venues. I think any way, any sort of creation that requires you to do it more than once, you know, there's some overlap. It maybe it's very, maybe it's loose, but you know, probably making stuff out of the wood and writing books have things that overlap. I, I don't make stuff out of wood, so I don't know. But. <laughs> Hard to say. But let's go into, into some more uh, nuts and bolts. Ooh, of, we of do that, that sometimes, don't we? We do. And uh, I call I just call this story basics. And this includes things like, uh, on our very first episode, we talked about endings. Endings. It was a great way to start. <laughs> and we did cover beginnings later on in episode 35, which was not even close to our last episode, thankfully. <laughs> um, but uh, we've also covered things like setting in episode 62. Side characters. I love side characters in episode 30. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing, episode 98, the story engine, what's causing, especially long, long going stories, what's, uh, what motivates the characters, keeps mm-hmm. them going. That was episode 66. So there's some, like, these are like your building blocks of the story. It's hard to have any story without some, without these particular features. And these are all things that, in, in some ways, you almost unconsciously as you're creating to a certain extent, but. As you step back and look at them and take them apart and analyze them, they'd be like, oh, I could do this better or that better. And I think it's worth, even as a consumer, to know these things. Just you can see how it works. Yeah. You know, in some ways you can understand, you can appreciate stories more sometimes by knowing the pieces that go into it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you want to then all fall together and be this whole and not this, this seamless thing. But it's nice sometimes to, after the initial thing, pull it apart and be like, oh, this really works. And this is why I felt this. And... Oh, that was good foreshadowing. and yeah. yeah. You know a story works when you're not, like, distracted too much by, like, seeing all the parts? Yeah. But, like, then that's on a rewatch when you want to be able to, like, really dissect it. And this is the sort of stuff, now that I'm teaching English for middle school, is that we talk about, like, hey, see this foreshadowing here? See how the setting influences the character? Or, you know, mm-hmm. that's the sort of stuff you teach in English because it helps them understand not just, oh, I enjoy that story, but why was it enjoyable? Or why did it say this? You know, how did it say this thing? Mm-hmm. All right. And then we go from there, from a very uh, basic stuff to more specialized category where we talked about different genres and We've formats. done a lot of these. We have done a lot of these because each one of these has is very ripe for exploration. Some of these are very specific types of stories, like episode 12, we did YA fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode 23, short stories. Episode 76, Mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode 105, Bible Stories. That was a nice one. Uh, that was fun. Each one of those big picture categories can have uh, some of these kinds of things in it, the more genre stuff, like episode 18, Tragedy. Episode 19, Comedy. Uh, romance was in episode 27. We talked about Aliens, which is a for- part of uh, sci-fi in episode 70. And politics. I remember talking politics. That was fun in 73. That was that was interesting. That was last election, wasn't it? Right before last election? Uh, yeah, I think it was around 2016 era. Yeah. Which, politics is one of those things that could almost be put in this next category. Because oh, as, as a genre, you're talking more things like... West Wing. West Wing, government-based stories. But it also fits yeah. in Star Wars and yeah. other stuff. Uh, episode 8 and Nine, we have re- rehashed numerous times, which <laughs> is adaptations or remakes because it just it keeps, keeps happening. It keeps happening. We keep remaking it. Yep. And that's just a fascinating thing. And that, that tends to overlap also with the fandom and the audience thing. So it's a constant thing of 
interest to re-explore yeah see how new people are doing it and i remember we had a dream at some point when we talked about this oh yeah yeah but yeah i think people are getting better at it in terms of and it's still not perfect but the ones that can like add something particularly remakes remakes adaptations they're very similar but the ones that can add something new without losing like you said what made people love it in the first place yeah so anyway, like I said, we've we've explored a lot of genre stuff. If uh, you wanted to take a look at that, that'll be in the show notes. Okay, so the next category I had was story ingredients, and this is the one I oh, said politics could go yeah, either way. Yeah, this, this is enjoy. I like these are fun. One of my personal favorite of these episodes, I think, was um, sixty three, talking about music and stories. Mm-hmm. So these are all ingredients that can be in a story, but not necessarily essential for yes. a story. Obviously, stories in different mediums will will employ some of these and some won't. Like, a book w- won't necessarily have music in no. it. Or audio, like we talked about in episode 90. Yeah. But they... Uh, they will hopefully have character clothing. <laughs> <laughs> true. Episode true. 82. But I would imagine uh, not every story would necessarily highlights what a character no, is wearing. No. But that was that was a very interesting topic. Yes. I don't remember ever seeing anyone else talk. Well, I'm sure they're probably costume designers. I'm sure there's yeah. blogs about it. But it's not one that gets talked about in the public zeitgeist no. very often. So it was that was a fun one to talk Doubles about. was fun. Um, episode 103, we talked about twins and clones. and mm-hmm, That was very unusual. And, um, and I was really surprised at how many categories we found in there that. There was a lot. It was a, it was a unique uh, episode, yeah. Sometimes it was hard to to pick a specific category, and some of these episodes really fall under multiple yeah. categories. I've already mentioned medium several times, so I put that underneath this category, episode eighty nine. But mm-hmm. it, it could have fallen under again. How is a story influenced by the medium that it's told in? Whether it's a movie, are, a book, a audio drama. One a of the things we talk about a lot, and I don't know. Well, you and I talk about. It, I don't know how often the podcast is the book. Um, how to read a comic. It was, is that what it's called? Uh, understanding Comics. Understanding Comics, which is a comic book about how to understand comics. And it's fascinating. And I think we've mentioned it here, but we've talked about it a lot off air, too. Just because it's so... It was very influential. Like, it, it really stuck in my mind the things that it talked about, like... And it, it presented, obviously. It presented, in a nonfiction way, mm-hmm. some really interesting concepts. Because I still always go back to the whole abstract thing. Yes. Like, he, he really changed my perspective on... Scott McCloud is the author, yes. artist of it. But he, re- he really brought out the idea of how you're able to read things, more personalized ideas into something if it's more abstract. And obviously, he's using that in an art sense, but I think it applies to a lot of other stuff. I, th- I agree. And it is what's something we came back to a lot, too, not just in story ingredients, but in all these categories, how do these things move around from medium to medium? Mm-hmm. You know, comic book and movie, you know, they all have different angles, but they use a lot of the same jargon. Oh, yeah. Or like episode 51, where we talked about redemption. Mm-hmm. Their redemption can appear in stories in any medium. Yeah. And so that's not really necessarily the point, but not every story necessarily has a redemptive element to it. Or like in some of we've talked about like episode of 94, silence. Silence comes off differently in different, you know, a comic book silence is Would just different. Be a, yeah. It could you be. can have pages without dialogue. That's true. That's true. Versus, you know, a book where there's just no talking, they're walking versus a movie where it's just silent. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, it's fun to look through that list. Um, then of course we get philosophical this on derail trains occasionally. These are probably my favorites. Honestly, <laughs> the philosophical ideas. Well, I think some of our most important, and it's, it's always interesting to me to look through like what we did in for our, our first ten episodes. 
I think we we definitely hit some ideas we knew would be important foundational ones. Mm-hmm. And episode four was moral universe, which we also explored the same idea somewhat in episode 65 when we talked about worldview. Mm-hmm. The moral universe idea was the idea that your story has a certain kind of morality to it. Yes. A moral universe. And you should build a story with that understanding in mind. And I think these philosophical ones are so important to us, partly because we do come from a Christian worldview, and we're not interpreting stories just as, oh, there's stories, but, like, stories say something. You know, and stories shape how you think, and that's something why we care about stories. And so that's what we constantly are interacting with. You know, we have profanity, we talk about beauty. Episode 31 is profanity, beauty, episode yep. 48. Um, one, I love 70, 78, which is everything is story. <laughs> uh, that was a fun one. Yeah, talking about how real life is is a story of a sort. And that, yeah. And of course, the challenge with all these things, we really tackled in episode 57, where we talked about the message in a story, because it's very tricky to, you want to be able to convey, and in, in every story we said conveys a message Something. of some sort. But sometimes you really want to make it more more clear than in other stories what you're trying to say yeah. in your story. And you don't want to make the story also just a sermon. Because then it's not really a story. It's not a story, yeah. Or at I mean, least not you, a very good one. If you want to make a sermon, write a sermon. You know, don't don't make it into a story. Yeah. That's always been an interesting um, challenge. And related to that, we've also occasionally tackled, not very often, but we're interested in controversies, apparently. But uh, we've sometimes delved into certain storytelling ethics for the creators and consumers. Things like what we said a minute ago, Profanity, episode 31. Also, Explicit Contents was episode 47. Magic, for some people, was an issue. That was I remember in college, that came up all the time. We had con- we always had these discussions about magic. Because Harry Potter was getting real big. And we're at yeah. this Christian college and trying to work through that. And different people came from very different backgrounds and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. That was episode 17. Mm-hmm. Um and episode 95, actually, there's we, we've named all, dropped all four of the episodes on this category, but stories as an idol, I thought, was an important thing for us to tackle, too, because as much as we enjoy fandoms and we enjoy stories, we've seen cases where someone's passion for story in one form or another becomes unhealthy. Because, obviously, we enjoy stories. We think they're a great blessing and great, you know, can be very good in the world, but they're not everything, mm-hmm. and they need to be in their proper place. And the final category, just <laughs> for fun. For fun. We've we, had we, some anniversaries and specials like this one, and uh, where we've done recaps. Episode 20 was our first recap episode. Mm-hmm. Episode 34, we did a fake recap which episode. Which was pretty great. Is that when we had um, our argument over Frog and Toad? Yeah, uh, which was better, Frog and Toad and Curious George. It was basically that, it recapping. It was Frog and Toad. What? It was Frog and Toad. I thought it was Curious George. No, you were wrong. Uh, I'll, I'll bring the either out for Curious George again. <laughs> Anyway, we had uh, we recapped episodes that had never actually happened, which was a lot of fun. So we've done a, we've done a couple of those, and of course, episode one hundred, Journey to Tanner Mountain, is one of our all time favorites. I do think episode eighty might be our mi- most misunderstood episode. Unfortunately, that was our fake Q and A where we answered questions that lis- you listeners had not actually sent in, <laughs> and acted as if you had sent them in. Yeah, except the idea was to be very satirical, and we didn't sell the satire very well. No, apparently, apparently not. Everyone who listened to it thought that they were real questions. So we, I still feel kind of bad about that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, that's a big picture view of 10 years ten of podcasting. years, Tim. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So we, you can tell stories are a very rich venue to talk about. I know sometimes people hear, oh, we're talking about stories, and they don't necessarily get what they expect out of our podcast. Because, I mean, that's still a lot of categories. As yeah. much as we're able to narrow them all into these certain categories, that's still a lot of ground between basics of storytelling, genre-specific things, and some of these more like wrestling with the interesting ramifications yeah. of stories. Mm -hmm. And I think we always had planned to kind of have a wide-ranging discussion in our story school. And obviously, I, I think probably some topics have hit people differently than others. I think most of them I've really enjoyed one way or another. We always have this thing when we get done with the podcast, I'm like, that was good. I like that. <laughs> with every episode. And, um, and sometimes we're more certain about what we're getting into than other yeah. discussions. You're like, well, we have enough to talk about here or... Or we'll have a, an idea that's kind of nebulous. and But I think we've actually been able to hash things out. We, we've had enough episodes under our belt. We know a little bit no, better what we're doing. And, it, and it's funny because sometimes we come in and we know exactly what we're going to talk about. Sometimes we come in like, we don't know what the answer to this is, but let's talk about it anyways. <laughs> and see if we can find an answer. And yeah. if not, it's still worth wrestling with. Sometimes the questioning something is just as good to um, to prevent yourself from just kind of taking something at face value. Yeah. Anyway, hopefully you enjoyed that uh, long, uh, this may be a longish episode, but that's okay because it's our 10th anniversary. And uh, hopefully that, maybe that inspired you to go check out uh, some episode that you missed in the past. And let us know, I'd love to hear from you, what's, what's one of your favorite things that we've tackled or ways that we've tackled something? Yes. If there's something, something that we do on our podcast that really speaks to you, I'd love to hear about it. So maybe we can do more of that. Sounds good to me. Uh, with that, we will, of course, though, go next into soundtrack. Okay, for soundtrack today, I went back to September 2010. Ooh, the month in which we birthed this podcast. Indeed, and I found one that seemed appropriate. This one's called Parties Over Here. All right. Because this is a party thing. Uh, this is by Ocean's Andrew. It's a remix of music from Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong Country 2. And uh, it's very pop, electric guitar based. So I, uh, I hope you all have fun with this and rock out with us.
Okay, and we're back. Hello. That was fun. Good. I'm glad you, I'm glad had, you enjoyed it. We had some good cake and ice cream during the break. Good stuff. Okay, so we're going to continue our previously on experience. Previous. Moving on from story school, we're going to go recap every soundtrack we've done. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's for you, Zach. <laughs> Actually, was it episode 50 had a recap of the previous soundtracks, didn't it? I oh, that. that's true. I cut together like, I don't know how many songs into a five minute montage. It was just fun. And you you haven't done that again. <sighs> no, it, was, it was fun, but it, it took some time. There's 50 more songs you can do. I know. I don't, like, over 50. Our, our question hmm. for people who want to re listen to our old soundtracks are the YouTube playlists up to date or not? Um, I will try to make them up to date when this episode comes out. So we do as have much as possible. We do have YouTube. We have a playlist of all our previous soundtracks. Tim's list and my list. And my list is a fun one to listen to. Like it feels very me. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy my list too. Thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think it's been updated for a while, but I'll check. Um, there are some tracks that unfortunately I don't know are They've available been anymore. Stuff, They've been yeah. pulled off of OC Remix. Some of the Brandon Strader stuff got pulled off. Yeah, well, and he put up some of them on his own YouTube channel, okay. so I can include those, but there's some that just aren't available anywhere, I don't think. Well, on YouTube, anyway. Yeah. So if you really want to listen to it, go check out our episode. They're still, They're still there. Still there. But seriously, I thought it'd be fun since, uh, and I, I think I had mentioned we do this last time, but we decided to push it back to this episode. We've done summer movie recaps yes. over the last few years. Unfortunately, this year we really cannot do that. No. Um, I did not go to the theater this summer. Neither did I. Oh. Well, you just went to the theater for the first time I, recently. I did, and there was like 12 people in it. <laughs> it was like very sparse. Yeah. I do want to go see Tenet myself. It but is great. I thought it'd be fun since, you know, we've we've done summer recaps and in episode 72, we talked about the value of shared experience. Yes. Because I think going to the movie theater is a is an important, not important, but a special. It is a special thing. thing. And so since we haven't been able to do that much of 2020, I thought it'd be fun to look back and talk about some of those things. Some of those things we've talked about on this podcast, because we go to a lot of summer movies. That's when mm. the superhero movies come out traditionally. Yeah. Yeah, there's something there's something unique about the movie experience of just going into a especially if it's a, a movie that people have been excited to yeah. see. We talked back at the end of when we did our last summer recap last year. And looking back, we may have sounded a little blase about Avengers Endgame. I think that was just because what else can you say about Endgame yeah. at that point? Yeah. <laughs> but in all honesty, that really was a special experience. The like the culmination of 10, 12 years of Marvel movies. Yeah. And if you go on YouTube and watch the audience reactions of some of that final scene, it still will give me goosebumps. All that fight, you mean the the fight scene? Oh or, yeah, yeah, that thing. Oh, that gave. Yeah, that was so great. And all the people coming out. Yeah, yeah it was all the good. People it was out completely worth it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that was just like because the whole audience is like ready for to see some of this yep. stuff. Yeah. And uh, so my brother used to go to a lot of midnight showings, which are not really a thing anymore. And that was a shared experience that was really kind of special back in like late nineties. That's true. Or early 2000s. Early 2000s. And he wouldn't do all the Star Wars Midnight. Like, I never like going to Midnight showings because Midnight's really late. Um, <laughs> I didn't, never did very many. I do remember one of the most special ones I recall, actually, in 2005. This would have been The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, wow. Which was super fun because I remember we hadn't thought we would go to get to see Midnight Show. And I was actually on a video shoot down in southern Indiana for something that our department was doing. But I think because of weather, it had gotten canceled early. So we were on our way home fighting snow. And uh, we were actually like, 
calling ahead. It's like, okay, we could go to a midnight showing for Narnia. Let's yeah. let's let's get this set up. And I had this like splitting headache. It's like, oh, I really want to see this. But I like so as soon as I got back to the dorm, I took two Advil, prayed, okay, Lord, get this thing go away. Um, and it did. And it was it was fun because we went to, to a theater in Marion and it was full of college students. Nice. People from Taylor and uh, Indiana Westland. And so not just college students, Christian college yeah. students. So we were all very invested in it. And it was it was a lot of fun. And to put the icing on the cake, walk outside the theater, it's snowing out. Nice. And you know, Christmas break is right around the corner. Ah. <laughs> You know, I have actually a uh, language wardrobe movie story. Oh, do you? Yeah. So Natasha, we're going to go see it. We're going to go see it. We're going to leave early from work, get in a fender bender in the driveway at Honda. At, oh, in Honda. No. Okay. So we'll try again. Like, I don't that night or next night. And we're there. And like Natasha gets like super sick. And we leave like halfway through the movie. Aww. And so it's like three times we finally get there. It's like, I don't know, it's like the third time trying to see this movie. I don't know what was up. It was like, like <laughs> we could not see the movie. Oh, it was man. St- still from now, from then on, Natasha said she was never going to drink any Theraflu because that's what made her sick the one time. Oh, really? Yeah, like it, she reacted very badly to it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, I have, I have um, maybe not fond memories of language wardrobe, but very interesting memories. <laughs> very specific, specific memories. Specific memories. It was Going, an event. Well, it was an event well, three times. <laughs> um, and like New Night Shows, I did remember I went to go see Attack of the Clones. I just remember everyone, you know, everyone cheers when the Lucasfilm thing comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Yoda starts, pulls his lightsaber out. Oh, yeah. Everyone's just like, <laughs> yeah, it was, so, you know, that was... That was probably the the midnight showing I remember most mm. for that sort of thing. That's fun. I know you weren't a huge fan of the movies, but the Lord of the Rings movies, I remember being partly just because I remember by Return of the King, it was just so overwhelming because mm-hmm. it was that was a very different style of filmmaking. I mean, yeah. this is right when like filmmaking was really changing around that yeah. time in terms of like your big blockbuster things, what you could do with CG and it actually look good. Um, yeah. I mean, we give CG a lot of a lot of crap because it gets used poorly sometimes. Yeah. But when it's used well, yes. especially when it was brand new, it was exciting. Yeah. I got to jump back to Star Wars. So I do remember just being super excited. So, you know, I was a big Star Wars fan growing up. Still am. Um, <laughs> do tell. Do tell. But in, I think I want to say like 90s, some mid-90s, they re-released. Oh, yeah. 97, I 97, think. That sounds about right. And I remember that was so much, that was the first time I got to see him in the theater and had yep. all the extra things. That was so cool back. I like, yeah. I'm in, I only I'm like the, lower, I'm like a freshman or something at that point, I think. Yeah. Maybe not even. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, about I, freshman, sophomore. I would have been junior high ish. But yeah, because yeah. I, I, I only went and saw the first one, A New Hope. Be the, they all came out like the same year, I think, right? They're I think like so. three or four months apart. Yeah, yeah, something like that. That was fun. Man, that was fun. <laughs> It'd be fun to see more of them. I, yeah, I only saw the one because our family didn't go to the movies a whole lot at that time. It really is something that becomes very much a, a teenage and college years thing. Mm hmm. And going forward, because, I mean, I would you say you go to the movies more or less often than you did since you had kids? I go less now I have kids. Okay. Just yeah. because, I mean, I could see in a few years going more when they're all old enough to see mm-hmm. things. Sure. Especially in Kenville, where it's not that expensive to take them. Yeah, that makes sense. Speaking of Kenville, I remember one movie. I haven't gone to see very many movies with you, necessarily, but I remember one that we saw in Kenville together. Which was that? Cloverfield. Oh, that was a great experience. <laughs> that was that was wild because I don't think I've ever gone to see a movie like that at a theater. No, it was and it's so visceral and it's so that, visceral. At that point, that was 
pretty new too. that sort of. If you don't remember Cloverfield, folks, that was a found footage movie. Basically, the idea was that these characters were running around with a camcorder. Actually, it was a camcorder, wasn't it? It, it wasn't was. even a, it wasn't even a phone. No. Nowadays, it'd be on a smartphone. Yeah, but it was a camcorder they were running around with during a giant monster like kaiju attack, basically on New York City. And in the theater, it was just. I mean, once it started, it was just full blast for the whole time, ninety minutes, and it was it was great, hardcore, it was fun. yeah. Yeah, I, I've never seen it again, and I don't know that I would need to in some ways. It's like, because the story wasn't necessarily that deep. It was kind of sad ending. Yeah. Um, I still quote that from to this day. Oh, do you? Someday at I'll go to Natasha like, it was a good day. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Okay, yeah. So. But yeah, it was, it was an experience that was made all the more palatable because it was not palatable memorable mm-hmm. because it was on the big screen so speaking of kenville uh theater experiences the the famous hayden experience is this jurassic park uh that's the second favorite the, okay. yeah well, i've said that on the podcast so i don't necessarily need to rehash that i may have said this one too but when aladdin came out uh-huh. right okay it was packed like the balcony was open even like they never opened the balcony uh-huh. and i think we i think we literally went like five times wow to see aladdin like we love this movie uh-huh and yeah, I just remember it being almost the fullest that I've ever seen. And I remember just being, it must just hit the right movie at the right age. Just, you know, when when he's on the snow thing and the and the tower's rolling down, he, mm-hmm. the window, he hides the window. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Wow. Like, it was just, it just hit just right. And it, I have, I, you know, I don't just remember a movie. I remember the theater and the people, sure. which I don't always do. So I'll just share a story from one of my old friends, Tim, Tim Mondor. Apparently, when he saw he saw Aladdin, I don't know if you remember this, before, way before NCG, Auburn had this other small little yes, movie theater yeah, over, over near Skate and Station. I saw my dad and I, sorry, I interrupted your show with my story. <laughs> my dad and I, we used to go to whatever science fiction fantasy film we could see because there was like nothing out. Except oh, like, yeah. we, like We went to see Stargate and went to see Starship Troopers, which we shouldn't have. Um, <laughs> and now there's just, you know, Titan AE. Um, because he, he and I like that sort of stuff. Or uh, Battlefield Earth. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I know we watched all these bad movies because there was nothing out that was science Sci-fi, fiction. Yeah. But we went to go see Final Fantasy the movie. Oh, really? At the little Auburn Theater. Oh, wow. But I was super disappointed because <laughs> it is not very Final Fantasy. It is not Final Fantasy at all. I mean, it's not. It's it's not a bad movie now, but it was just like. It was so disappointing. Oh. Go ahead. So anyway, my friend Tim, when he was he saw Aladdin there, and apparently right at the point where you know Aladdin's hanging off the cliff, Jafar dresses the beggar. Oh yeah, is raising his his dagger and saying, "Giving you your reward, yeah, your eternal reward." Yeah, and he's about to stab him. Apparently, the power went out <laughs> right there. <laughs> And they they didn't get to finish the movie, so they like had to go home with that cliffhanger. Oh man, <laughs> that's a, uh, I okay. think it's amazing story. Okay, worst worst film experience, worse than watching Battlefield Earth. Oh oh my, um, it was a kind of a one, but kind of the low point where like it was it was kind of shabby and run down and wasn't run. Mm. For some reason, my mom and I went to go see Godzilla two thousand. Oh think. dear. Just because, why not? Oh, dear. Um, and started watching it, but like it was out of focus, and they never fixed the focus, and we waited for like, we watched like 20 minutes of it, like not being able to see anything, <laughs> and they would just laugh because it's like, this is, it was, yeah. The bad movie anyway. So Pro- Probably saved you some, not, some not, time. I don't think, it, it wasn't the American one, it was like, it was Godzilla 2000, I think. Then In 97, the American one came out. Oh, that was 97? I thought that was in 2000. Am I, am I wrong? May I have my dates wrong? Is it set in New York City? No, no, it's not that. I saw that one, too, okay. at a different time. Which is also bad. 
Okay. But yeah, it did bad. Yeah. Okay. Then it was a it was one after that, I think. Okay. But like I th- imported I th- or something. I thought I thought the American one was did come out in two thousand. Maybe so that's what, I could maybe, it's, maybe I could be wrong else. though. I'm sure uh, Nathan could correct us. He, over, he, w- he will correct us. Over on uh, Monster Island. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he is correcting us at Facebook or in the comments or both. Um, I'm trying to think bad movie experiences. I'd, thankfully, I don't know that I've had many in part because most of the time when I go to see a movie, it's like one that I've heard of before or like really bad. Okay, probably it, the two mm. worst I can think of. Saw the second Street Fighter movie at a theater. <laughs> Which would probably actually be really entertaining with riff tracks, yeah. but without, it was just like, uh, bleh. I remember why we went to see that. It was with my D&D group at the time. And then, oh, The Happening. Oh, I saw that, yeah. That was that was, was disappointing. Yeah. That was, yeah. Have you ever had like a really bad audience? Huh, that's a good question. Like babies crying, that like kind sometimes, of thing. Sometimes in Kenville, if it's like the first night of something, mm-hmm. there'll be lots of middle schoolers and young high schoolers are just yeah i haven't been to kenneville as often as you have i ha- i've been there for one times when like they're just they're more just running back and forth or talking constantly or just yeah, yeah just like that, that's usually never... opening night for some sort of big movie sometimes i'll happen it's just it's frustrating me like watch the movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's i'm more selective when i go about when i will go to kenneville i'll go to kenneville for like if it's uh if i've seen the movie once before yeah. or if it's like i'm going at a time okay i think i think the kids will be yeah not be here or this yeah. will be a more reasonable experience yeah, there's certain movies I would not go to Kindleville for, even though I know it's cheaper. It's not necessarily; it's a longer drive for me. Yeah, too. For you, yeah, I I, I walk a block yeah. there basically. So <laughs> right, yeah, it makes sense. So we've been on vacation sometimes. Or we take our summer vacation, and a lot mm-hmm. of times we go to a movie at some point. Yeah, and those stick in my mind. I think just be there a different location, but it's interesting. I think we've seen at least two Nolan movies like that. Oh, really? Okay. Um, like Inception, we're in Florida, and I just remember watching Inception, and at some point turning to Zach and being like. We're still on the airplane, like, <laughs> like we're four layout levels in or something like that. Uh, and then we saw in Maryland, we saw um, Dark Knight Rises. Okay, in a very interesting. And I think Natasha remembers that one because it was right after, during Dark Knight, they had all the shooting, so all the theaters were a little worried about oh. the dark, you know. Mm-hmm. So she remembers okay. that sort of thing going on. I don't think I've ever gone on vacation. One time I remember going to the usual place. I think I was in Indianapolis. I don't remember if this was during a homeschool convention or if I was just with my once or twice I went with my dad when he'd go to Indianapolis for a continuing ed thing and I'd because I think we were because we were doing some hiking or something mm-hmm. afterwards. Anyway, we saw Galaxy Quest, which oh, okay. was which was kind of a gamble because we've never gone to a lot of comedies, but it's like it's Star Trek themed. I think it could be fun. And man, Galaxy Quest is a lot of fun. Yeah. But speaking of Inception, okay, so that was Inception came out while I was still in film school. Okay. And so a lot of I went with a lot of fellow film students and man we had fun with that movie. <laughs> oh man, we we were so pumped for that movie before and after. We had oh it was such a, a major talking point. And I remember cuz we went to a, we it wasn't at midnight, but we went to a, you know, probably got done around 11 o'clock at yeah. night or something. Went home, went to bed. Can you go to bed after that? Man, my I, I've never had so much fun being paranoid in my own dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Just am I dreaming? Am I not? It was it was so be, much fun. Because it's so immersive. It you is, know, it really is. And you, your deep dive. I mean, it is it's a deep, deep, deep I'll dive. I'll say, and I, again, movie experiences. Natasha were talking after seeing Tenet, and we 
didn't know if it was because it's a weird movie and it's you're fully invested for two and a half hours, or because it's the first time I've been in the theater for so long. Mm. But like our perception was a little wonky afterwards for a while. Oh, not really? like not like I couldn't see, but you just had this sense that something is there that you can't quite see. And I think it's huh. probably because it's a Nolan movie and you're just okay. immersed in this weird technology. Mm. It probably was also, we hadn't been through a two and a half hour movie sure. at a theater for who knows how I long. I mean, that is one of the most fun things about going to see a movie at the theater because you really do feel like you step into another world. Yeah. We've said this, I think we've said this before. I felt that with John Carter. Yeah, John Carter was a great example of that because it was such a another place, a good Star Wars movie, get, mm-hmm. get you feel like that. Any, any of them that really take place somewhere else and sometimes even ones that take place in our world if it's like... I don't know, a certain style. Style or maybe historical even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. So this is this is not related to that necessarily, but I have to mention a fun experience when we went and saw Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Okay. And my brother-in-law will know exactly what we're talking about here. So there's a, there's a part where one of the pol- a politician whispers to to one of the special agents or whatever they are, yeah. you know, where they whisper, Hail Hydra. And my sister Joanna whispered to me, it's like, wait, what did he say? And so I whispered back to her, Hail Hydra. And then, of course, immediately, my brother-in-law, Eric, is like, you're one of them. You're Hydra. <laughs> because That's awesome. I had, and I knew what was going to happen, sort of. But like, in order to answer her question, I had to do the exact thing that the bad guy had just done. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of good memories with going to the, because it's an event. I mean, or mm-hmm. it can be a movie, can be an event. Yeah, with people you share it with, and some, and sometimes, at least in my experience, I tend to go most often with the family. You know, it's a holiday, and we'll go, and it, you know, it's Christmas break, and we'll go see a movie, or it's, mm-hmm. you know, we'll be on vacation, we'll all go. You know, I remember seeing. There's not even re- reason to remember the movie except I saw it during a vacation, which was Cowboys and Aliens. Oh, yeah. You know, so I just remember because we all got in the car and we all drove there and we all saw it. Mm-hmm. There's also something special when you know that you're experiencing a great story, a great movie for the very first time. It's exciting. You can't ever recapture the first time. No. There's something special. And like I remember thinking during the Toy Story 2, actually, because this is when animated movies were kind of hit and miss. Yeah. Especially sequels back yeah. then. And I remember thinking like around the time of the whole Buzz Lightyear and Zerg scene, oh, yeah. and they're like leaving for the airport. I remember thinking... How can this be this good? Like, <laughs> this is amazing. And when you see, when how you, is this possible? When you see really good movies for the first time, especially in a theater, like seeing them at home, something fine, but there's just something special about it's dark, you're completely invested, there's no distractions. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, okay, I'm watching Tenant. Somewhere near there, I'm just kind of laughing to myself. I'm just, I'm so happy that this movie exists in this timeline. <laughs> you know, whether it's a great movie or later on, I don't like as much. This thing someone created and it's here and it's mm-hmm. enjoyable. Yep. Yep. So, as much as I appreciate things like Disney Plus mm-hmm. and streaming and all that stuff, I never want to see movie theaters completely go away. Yeah. Because I they, agree. they provide something special and valuable. And that's a good transition to another topic I thought it would be fun to discuss here. I don't know. This is kind of previously on. Well, um, I guess in episode 24, we talked about lest other old stories be forgot. That's the name of the episode. Mm -hmm. We talked about how our reactions to stories have changed over time. But I thought it could also be fun to talk about how pop culture has changed Mm. in the 10 years since we started this. You think about it, Nick. When our first episode came out 10 years ago, there were only three MCU movies out. Wow. The first two Iron Man movies and The Incredible Hulk, which is basically apocryphal at this point. Yeah, yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah, I remember, I think in at some point, probably in our, I don't remember if it was before, talking about like wondering what this new Thor movie would be like. Because yep, yep. I was like, I don't know anything about Thor. Mm-hmm. And they, they've paid it off. They've They paid it off. They've it's, earned our trust. They did earn our trust. And it was it's interesting to see none of the imitators really did were able to pull off what the MCU could pull no. off. Now, I should say, I don't necessarily know that people should give up on that. Apparently, what DC movies, I've heard some people speculate what they're doing is they're going into more of a multiverse approach. Which where, sounds... Where they're like, they're all part of a continuity, but they're all a multiverse. They're different timelines. So you don't have to worry about continuity and stuff, mm-hmm. which that sounds fine. But at the same time, like, do you really even need to call it a multiverse? I know just because that's a, that is a thing in the DC yeah. universe that they, they've done that a lot. But the same is like, but they're not really connected then. You know, the interesting <laughs> about pop culture in some ways is that not that it was ever like super connected with all pop culture, mm-hmm. but probably less so in some ways. But I think that's partly because pop culture is so wide now. Because we didn't have streaming when we started this, yeah. or at least not in the same. I was still getting discs from Netflix. That's true. Back when we started this thing. Yeah, I think you mentioned. I remember you mentioned you had listened to an older episode, and we talked about how cool it was that Netflix was making their own TV show. Yeah, exactly. And we were like, "Wow, that sounds really novel. What they'll come up with?" Exactly. Uh, that's been. Good and bad, actually. Yeah. So so what we have is that we have such a wide range of things between all the streaming services and stuff that pop culture is so wide that you really only know sections of it. Yeah, that's true. And there's some there's some big things that I never got on board with. Like, I never really watched Game of Thrones or Walking mm-hmm. Dead yeah. or things like that. Or Breaking Bad. <laughs> Breaking Bad. We talked about getting on that Well, we never wagon. did. No, yeah. we never did. But... Yeah, it's it's interesting to me. I remember when Janelle and I were doing our wedding registry, we wandered over into like the media, pop, the uh, DVDs and yeah. video game section, and they have a, the whole like little section at a, at the Target we were at for like pop culture doodads, like yeah. little figurines and shirts and T-shirts and stuff, and very nerdy stuff in mm-hmm. a Target. It, it had become much more main. Pop culture is normal. Yeah, at this point. And nerd is normal. It I is, mean, and nerd it, interest, at least. Yeah, and it's not always done well. I mean, like, I looked at all that stuff. It's like, man, so much nerdy stuff. So much junk. Yeah. <laughs> like, none of it looked like anything I was interested in. Yeah. So it's not all sun and roses, but it's there's a glut of it out there, as we like, mentioned. But, like, Geek is not necessarily a niche thing anymore. What? Think Geek, that sort oh, of thing. Oh, Think Geek. Yeah. That's true. It's more acceptable to talk about this stuff, which is fascinating. I mean, I th- it was trending that way, I think, even in the decade before, yeah. the decade that we've been podcasting in, but it's become even more so. You know, it helped probably. In some ways, you know, when we started, I think, you know, Harry Potter was just finishing up, probably. Mm-hmm. Lost was just finishing up. You had these- Lord of the Rings. Lord well, of the Rings. I mean, earlier, back. That, but you had at least a number of very high-profile, very popular speculative fiction- mm-hmm. Yeah, because Harry, Harry Potter, the movies, yeah, that was finishing up really close to the time. We we I think that was the end of 2010-ish. Was it? I don't, I don't know. The, I forget. But, for sure. you know, and that's still, you know, you know, the whole generation that they're still wearing, you know, I got kids in my class who are still wearing Gryffindor t-shirts and stuff, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So it's still a thing. But, it, yeah, it probably didn't op- open the doors and, and movie studios knew they wanted, like, I remember actually reading articles several years ago. They were desperately looking for the next franchise. This was before MCU was a thing. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Batman had been done plenty. Yep. Uh, Harry Potter was ending. Lord of the Rings was long done. Yep. Uh, well, <laughs> Hobbit movies, I guess, but yeah, still. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars was, well, for a little while it was done. Then it, it started up again. Yep. yep. 
but they were they'd become so dependent on big name franchises, temple things in mm-hmm. terms of like getting the big revenue, the big bucks. That is one of the main things that like brings people back into the movie theater. Yeah. For better and for worse. Yeah. As much as we enjoy these adaptations and new big blockbuster things. It does mean there's fewer people like Christopher Nolan who can do the really the innovative original, new yeah. stuff. So yeah, it's uh it's interesting. And it just keeps moving. And it just it just keeps <laughs> moving. And we mentioned again, streaming has become way bigger in the last five, ten years. Actually it's it's interesting to think about online video in particular. When I was working at Archery Tag twenty twelve to twenty fourteen, um, in some ways I think that was really exciting time on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, cause I was trying to do stuff with YouTube then I was, and I learned a lot very quickly about all the different venues and stuff. And YouTube is still a very thriving thing, but a lot of the like freshness, at least, and this is my perspective, uh, I'm yeah. not quite as hardcore into it as I used to be, but it feels like some of the freshness of like the wild westness of the internet has kind of gone away, mm-hmm. which, which is a little unfortunate. It's be, everything's become a little bit more institutionalized and the big name companies and and the the really the really big YouTubers. You know what's an interesting trend that we don't talk about book trends much because we're not usually up to date on book mm-hmm. trends. But I do know that uh, Natasha, my wife, continues to find tons of stories inspired by fairy tales. It just has continued on. I was wondering about that because she did she joined us for that uh, YA episode back yeah. in episode eleven which is over 100 episodes yeah. ago now. And I wonder if that episode is really outdated now, but yeah, there's still YA is still big on the fairy tales. Huh? Fairy tales is still a big thing and at every level like my daughter Serenity, at, you know, she's in 3rd grade, there's this whole realm of which is not really YA, but still. No, but I mean even at that level there's tons of fairy tales and then Fio has lots of myths and fairy tales or sort of related stuff. It's it's I mean once upon so, time we we commented on Weekly Hijack probably didn't hurt by any means the whole. Yeah. But the constantly reinterpretation of not just fairy tales, but just even that just that guy to use it twice in one episode mm. of, you know, <laughs> fairies and curses and witches and is just very thriving thing still. Yeah, that's 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 cool. I mean, and it makes now they some get sense. darker and darker well, to a certain extent, too. True, sure. That makes some sense because fairy tales have been popular for hundreds yep. of years now, yep. but it's. It's nice that it's, it hasn't just been the kind of re-modern retelling of them. It wasn't just a fad that went away. It that, doesn't seem like it. I mean, it seems like it's still a thing. That's cool. So That's cool. People sometimes say that when a new medium starts overshadowing an old one, people think that the old medium will go away. Yeah. And s- sometimes it happens. I mean, we don't have shadow plays aren't a thing as much. or No, but I, yeah. But I mean, they still exist in some like a historical curiosity. But there's other things like radio has never completely gone away. No, podcast basically reinvented it, it redid yeah. radio dramas. People thought movies would doubt because of television. We still have television. Yep. We still have movies and television. Yep. TV hasn't completely gone away just because we have internet streaming now. And and magazines, eh, they're on the border. But yeah, yeah, the, yeah. But, the, but they still exist in, in certain pockets. And they may be more of a niche audience, but they're still there. And I kind of think that there's something to be said, too, about genres that, mm. like— I think there are very few genres that ever disappear completely. I think you're right. They, I think it's just kind of this ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Like westerns were huge for a long time in the fifth, in the well, forties through the sixties. Yeah, and now they're not as much. But every now and then, all they'll pop up, and people will be like, "Oh, a western. Yeah, let's try this out." And superheroes are very big, and I don't think they're going away anytime soon. <laughs> no, probably not. But it's possible that by the time we're 
retired age, maybe that'll be kind of the passe thing. Well, like I mentioned, when Dad and I tried to go see anything that was remotely fancy sci-fi, there just wasn't much good mm-hmm. back in the 90s, necessarily. But there's a glut of it now. Yeah. Well, at least in some form. Uh, yeah. It seems to me like fantasy movies are still not necessarily... Mm, fantasy is still pretty rough. It's still science pretty, fiction. You can get a lot side. of science fiction stuff. Yeah. Not, not good hard science fiction, but like post-apocalyptic sort of stuff. Did you see the trailer for the new Dune movie? Uh, I saw the, I think it was the preview for the trailer. It was oh. at, it was at Tenant. It was like a short one saying, go see the trailer. Oh, really? Sort of thing. Okay. But yeah, I, what it made me most want to do is read the book again. <laughs> oh, I was wondering if you'd ever read it. it. It's been a long time. It was like in high school. Okay. Anyway, that's, it's interesting to see, think about all the stuff. Yeah. When we first rec- started recording this podcast, we had no idea that we'd ever get more Star Wars nope, movies. We did not. And, uh. Yeah, that's uh, that's exploded thanks to uh, Mr. Disney. <laughs> well, <laughs> yep. his company, anyway. Yes. <laughs> One more question I thought would be fun to tackle that's not in our list here. Talking about how things change over time. Yes. Do you think that your tastes, storytelling instincts, have changed much over the last 10 years? Storytelling or story watching? Mm, let's say storytelling. What's important to you as a storyteller or or as a consumer, I guess. Um, I don't mean just like your viewing habits. Okay. I guess as a creator, I don't know that it's so much change as continued to, I don't know if deepen is the right word, evolve in the sense, not evolve sounds weird. It's like, for instance, the easy way for me to look at it is look at my flesh fictions. Okay, I have 140 something. The early ones versus the later ones, you can, I can see a trend of how I can do sentences and words and what I can try to, how I craft the story. They, they've in some ways become less direct. <laughs> okay. Which you know is good or bad. But the, I think the the things that I care most about, which is the interaction between man and God and, and worldview stuff and whatever, I think has never really changed. I just find different clothes for it. Mm. I mean, because a lot of the old ideas I had back in high school and early college are still ideas I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the the core of things have really changed, but maybe my ability or the way I would approach it, I've gotten more, um, I don't know if it's abstract, but more um, less straightforward, mm. which is probably not easy. <laughs> probably, yeah, I was going to say, have you read Strin and Fred recently? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but the, but the last one is less straightforward than the first one. Well. I mean, that's kind of what I mean. Okay. It's more, it's more moving parts. I think I've really practiced cramming more into less oh okay okay that makes sense like it's still the same thing it's just denser sure maybe okay he's like my most recent flash fiction not much of a story but there's some decent ideas there it's like 400 words i mean Mm -hmm. i don't even need a thousand words anymore you know for a lot of things sure interesting for myself it's a little harder to say because my creative output has not been as consistent as yours and it takes various different forms Mm -hmm, yeah whether it's just editing the podcast or making video promotions for various companies or my church i did in the last 10 years i did actually write a novella for our project children of the wells i also acted in a couple plays yes i got to brush up on my acting great skills so yeah, for me, my creative output takes various different forms, but I wouldn't be surprised if probably some of the certain things I used to talk about maybe soften a little bit. For instance, I used to talk a lot about the ideal hero. Okay, yeah. And I still like I still like parts of that, but I, I've, I think I've 
I think part of the reason I developed that theory was sort of a reaction against what I, I thought were too many gray heroes. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think there's been more room for the really good heroes. Like Doctor Who has some of this uh, exp- exploration of what it means to be good. Yeah, It was interesting to me, a lot of debate about Man of Steel and how Superman should be portrayed really tied into some of these things, even though I kind of liked Man of Steel, mm-hmm. although it's been a while since, since I've seen it. And I think overall, I, I found that the ideal hero where it's like this really pure, I, I got the idea a lot from watching the 1937 Robin Hood movie, okay, which yeah. really portrays him as this like saint practically, yeah. which I think works for that movie. I don't know that it necessarily works super well for all movies, yeah. but I still think the idea that it's more important to highlight a hero's good qualities, heroic qualities then highlight the less desirable ones, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So you have a flawed hero, but it's not just on the hero and not the flaw. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I think that's probably more how I would phrase it nowadays. Mm-hmm. But because then you can analyze why he's good if there's things that aren't good about him in sure. some ways. And I mean that's almost beneficial in some ways. Mm-hmm. In My Hero Academia, there's a superhero or there's a Superman like character called All Might. And He's one of these characters. I've heard a couple of people mention this that, like, when you he's first introduced, he seems kind of corny. And but the more you know him over the course of the show, and how much the populace depends on him and puts faith in him as a shining beacon, the more you appreciate why he's worked so hard to be that. Mm. That's an example of of I think a really good hero done really well. My Hero Academia is just a great superhero media in general. It's one of those, like, since it's an anime, it's very much a Japanese riff on an American idea. Yeah. It, it blends the two things really well. Like, the main, All Might's attacks are named after American cities and states. That's awesome. So it's, like, it's definitely a kind of a love letter to American superheroes from Japan, which means they can bring some interesting new things to it mm-hmm. and sometimes do a, a fresh spin that American superhero stuff wouldn't do. But anyway, that's a, something of a side tangent. So one last question to wrap up this retrospective yes what can we expect in the future nothing no <laughs> we're done this we're is done this episode. bye guys <laughs> no to be honest i think we mentioned near about a year ago when we started the 100th episode that like we we're entering a new phase of the podcast and we never quite got there yet we never we we changed up the music <laughs> yes well because uh, it has been i mean there are things going on i mean tim's getting married Apparently, it was something happening. Yeah, like that. Man, soon. Um, I got career shift, so you know some of the things we want to get done, we're not first, but we do hope to update our website at some point, so you can, you know, 112 episodes is a lot to wade through, <laughs> like, like we talked about today. We'd like to find some sort of way to help people find topics they're interested in, be able to re- get some of the old classic stuff out. Mm-hmm. So we want to. We've been on a blogspot site since we started this thing, which was fine starting off. Yeah, in, in 2010. In 2010, <laughs> yeah. Curious who still uses Blogspot, to be honest. I do. Oh, well, yeah, obviously, yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> We're the last person. Uh, we also it's, host, probably, it's probably not true. We also host all our soundtracks on MySpace, but... <laughs> <laughs> that is not true, but... <laughs> uh, With our flesh animation. <laughs> Talking about things that have changed the last 10 years, I feel like blogging has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a thing, I guess, but it's not nearly the internet darling it used to be. No, because you almost have to go to a, you almost have to be aggregated into a giant site for anyone to find it mm-hmm. in some ways. It's not as, again, that Wild Westness is. 
it's kind of gone a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's, which is unfortunate. But anyway, so it's been on our docket for a long time. A long time, to, more and, than it should have been. Yeah, and we have some definite ideas of what we want to do with the website, but it, it's also going to require working a little bit with a graphic designer. Also hiring a secretary. <laughs> oh, wait, no. No, uh, we don't have the budget for that. No, no, we don't. Not after uh, the swimming pool I bought. <laughs> Diamond studded one. Oh, it's, it's really nice. <laughs> but so that's something long-term we, we, hoped, we hoped to be able to do. And yep. once that's in place, we would like to expand again. Because it's been a long time since we've had guests. We, we've been wanting to get more guests on. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the possibility of doing panel appearances at conventions. Not that any conventions are going on right now, but no. but these are all things we would like to do to really like broaden the appeal of the of the podcast that we kind of feel like we need a better destination, website destination for yeah. people to visit before we, we really start trying to branch out that way. Something to be looking forward to. So we need a station for the derailed train. Indeed. All right. <laughs> I was going to say, is that what the name of the website should be? But that's, no, no, that's, no, that's off track. <laughs> <laughs> that's muddling the metaphor a little bit too much. All right. Well, this has been a plenty long episode, but I think it's fitting for our 10th anniversary. 10 years. 10 years. It's our, what is that? What's 10 years? So like not paper, paper, like first year. Uh, I don't know. I'm not married yet. So I haven't had to keep track of such I things. haven't had to keep track of it. I know, as long as I know the number, I'm good. <laughs> okay. So. I'll take your word for it. I hope you've been enjoying this uh, look back. And if so, please leave us a comment. Let us know what you liked about this episode, uh, what you think we may have missed, something that you, you really enjoy about the last 10 years of podcasting, the last 10 years of movies. And you can always email us at derailedtrains at gmail.com. And of course, those comments that you can leave, those would be at derailedtrainsofthought.blogspot.com. And always, we would love to take audio clips from you if you would like to um, email them to us as well. That would be that would be cool. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, give us a like over on Facebook. I mentioned earlier today, we'll see if this changed by the time this episode comes out. As an anniversary gift, you can push us over the 50 likes over on Facebook. That'd be great. And also we're on Twitter at Derailed Trains. Very active Twitter. Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, we're, we're unfortunately not very social. <laughs> social. Okay, that's something else that's changed over the last 10 years. Social media has become a lot less social. Yeah, that's that's true. And a lot less fun. Yes. I don't know, maybe... We gotta get on the Instagram train. I've, I've said before, that I don't see what we would Instagram. Pictures of ourselves. Of a microphone. No, just picture ourselves doing things, being like, pretty soon we'll record. This is a great donut right before we record. <laughs> Look at my duck lips as I record. Okay, well, the crowd over there seems very excited about something. Yeah, they're like, are this something about the king, I think, aren't they? I think we might have a coronation ceremony coming oh, up here pretty soon. All right. So that, oh. that'd be pretty cool. We got to get over there. So, yeah, Nick, that'd be fun. give us the details about your soundtrack. All right, so my soundtrack, uh, since the 10th anniversary, I figured instead of picking a new game like I've been tra- going for, we'll pick our 10th remix from Chrono Trigger, one of the favorites of remixers everywhere. This is called Notes from a Small Island, remixed by JJT. I wonder, do you think this is the mo- is Chrono Trigger the game that we've picked remixes from the most, do you think? It's probably I think individually there. game, I think so. I mean, we've probably picked more Final Fantasies. No, oh, okay. I bet I bet Chrono Trigger takes the cake for, for most for remixes. a single game. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I thought we'd revisit an old favorite for our 10th anniversary. Fun. Fun, so, fun. Yeah, enjoy this this nice, jazzy, kind of nostalgic song. 
It's very chill. Nice way to close out. Thank you for listening to Derailed Trains of Thoughts. Until next time, this is Tim. This is Nick. Bye-bye. Not what I expected when we got up this morning.